and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope I'm not, uh, I hope I'm not muted tonight. I hope everyone can hear me. I can't hear the welcome music. I don't know what's going on. My audio's always got something going on. Anyways, I hope everyone had a wonderful, uh, Christmas. It's Christmas time. It's almost New Year's. Uh, my little, my little boy's gonna be two, uh, tomorrow on New Year's Eve. I'm just, I'm, uh, life just flies by, man. It's absolutely insane. Uh, we took a week off from the show. If you guys couldn't tell, uh, we had some sickness. We had some people out of town. Uh, just had to keep rescheduling this show. Um, and it's just been an absolute mess. And, and tonight you will only get me and my guest. Uh, there will be no co-hosts in the studio, unfortunately, Ryan. Well, fortunately for Ryan, he's uh, he gets to hang out with his brother tonight, who he doesn't get to see. He's in town, so he's going to be hanging out. And then AJ came down with some sickness um now as well he's got a scratchy throat and cough and all that stuff so aj won't be here either so you'll have to just deal with me hosting the show i know you guys are all upset about that uh we do got a great show for you guys tonight before we get too far into it uh check out some sponsors of course we got uh toplobster.com the man the myth the legend my good friend and partner on break the cycle where you can get this great it didn't have to be this way ron paul hoodie that you see me wearing tonight by using btc at checkout for a 10 percent discount or you can join the patreon become a member of the youtube uh or the uh subscribe star and you'll get into a private Discord server where you can get all of Top Lobs' new gear up to uh, two weeks before it goes to the general public at like a 30% discount. So if you're doing like five or ten bucks a month for the show, which we would really appreciate, uh, you will also get all of his stuff at a highly di- discounted rate that really will save you money in the long run and you're supporting both people. And uh, it's, it's a great way to, to do things. And of course, the executive producers of the show and theplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, the uh, their, their leaders, their their team leads by example, and uh, they're they're just amazing. Um, you guys should definitely check them out. Uh, Amy Lepore is amazing. I've had her on the show a couple times. It's probably time to have her back on soon, uh, so you guys can be reminded of how amazing she is and her business and what she does. Um, but guys, we've got a great show for you tonight. I'm very excited. Uh, I he's been on the show before uh, several months ago now. Um, when he used to be the the communications director uh, for Young Americans for Liberty, which used to be Ron Paul, uh, I think Ron Paul for Liberty. I always mess that one up. Um, but uh, and he he helped really build the brand uh, over there, and uh, he was let go. Came on the show to talk about that. Um, it was I think it was a really shitty situation that shouldn't have happened, but I was glad it did because he became the uh, he then became the. Uh, communications director for the Libertarian Party, which you guys know I'm the vice chair of. Uh, so that made me very happy. His name is Mr. Reed Cooley, sir. How are you doing tonight? I have splendid, Joshua. Thank you for producing one of the very few podcasts I actually care to listen to. I actually enjoy listening to your show, uh, unlike most others. It's usually just, I feel like 95% of podcasts, like if I'm listening to them with somebody else especially, it's just me pretending that I don't hate podcasts and that I don't <laughs> think they're boring. So thanks for producing uh, one of the few that I actually think is, is worthy of my time. Yeah, of course, man. And I appreciate it. I tried, you know, I tried, I really went out of my way to try and make it look good and sound good and all that stuff. And then, um, you know, I still boomer it like at least once a, once a week, probably of the two weekly shows that we do. I, I still find a way to boomer the audio or do something stupid and mess it up. But uh, it's kind of become part of the show now, so it's like it's almost expected of me. So, you know, uh, I wish I could do like Reed Coverdale, where he's like, "Listen, if you just set all expectations super low, you'll always exceed the expectations." <laughs> just do the shit on a laptop in your truck with your like three G uh, hotspot, and you'll never have a problem, you know. But I, I want it to look good, so I, I appreciate that, man. It really does mean a lot to me when people uh, uh, say good things about 
about my my show. Uh, I I put a lot into it, man. But dude, so so uh, May was the uh, was when we took over the Libertarian Party, right? Um, and uh, I think that most people are aware that that happened. Uh, but they also don't know that there was a lot of changes. Of course, there's been some staff changes. Um, and uh, at the time, there was another communications director that had uh, taken leave. And uh, we were in need for that position. Um, and it was one of my first things on on my docket when I became vice chair was, listen, Reed Cooley is looking for a job. Uh, he's the man who helped build the brand for, for Young Americans for Liberty, which is very successful. It's a very successful program over there. Um, and he's, uh, he's yeah, looking for it, something. It, it was, it was whenever I ran it, not so much yes. anymore. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And that's, I know I should, I should preface this. It, it is. And, and Dave Benner's in the chat. He said it's students for Liz Cheney now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, he, and he's right. He's right. A sad story. Sad yeah, story. It is a sad story. I, I, you know, I, I was a big fan of Young Americans for Liberty. I went to their, uh, their, um, big soiree out there in San Jose when I was living in California still, that was a lot of fun. I, you know, I, I've got, I've got to do a lot of cool things because of young Americans for Liberty. And I wasn't even like a young Americans for Liberty, like member. Okay. So, um, it was a really good organization for a long time. And now it's, it's kind of, you know, they're like, Hey, what can we do to, uh, kiss every Justin Amash foot? That's basically where they're at. And I, Hey, you know, good on you. Good luck. Um, but what what has been the plan for you since becoming the communications director for for the Libertarian Party? Uh, what kind of metrics have you guys used to show success? Uh, yeah, just give me the rundown about that, man. Yeah, sure thing. So um, first off, I, I've long moved past everything that happened with Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, I'm really enjoying my role with the Libertarian Party now as communications director. Um, I'm absolutely honored to be here. Um, I took over uh, communications for the party on August the 2nd. Um, and whatever I got there, I mean, and just I want to make something clear. I've I've really done my best to institute a culture of not bad mouthing the previous regime because it's a distraction. It's just not what I want to engage in. I mean, anybody who works with me or around me at the party, I would dare say they're going to be hard pressed to find any scenario where I've just sat down and bad mouthed uh, the people who used to run the party. It's just not the kind of culture I want to build. I try to stay focused on the future. But whenever I showed up to the party, there, there really weren't, there, there weren't a whole lot of, of concrete systems. And like I said, I don't want to besmirch anybody's character. Uh, maybe we just had some, maybe I just have some serious uh, philosophical and strategic differences with the people who came before, uh, but I'm not going to name names, but there weren't a whole lot of concrete metrics. There weren't a whole lot of um, details behind what success really looked like. There wasn't a vision for that. So um, whenever I first got you know to, to the party, uh, began serving as communications director, um, there were a couple of things that I really emphasized very strongly, uh, you know, to the team, which is almost completely uh, comprised of volunteers. We have a couple of great staffers uh, who do some excellent work as well. But for the most part, our team is, is, uh, is I mean, almost it's almost entirely uh, volunteer based. Uh, one is, you know, one thing I tried to emphasize was that social media, well, there's a distinction to be made between social media. Everybody knows what that is and earned media. Earned media, it's a little bit of an inside baseball term. That simply refers to TV, radio, uh, op-eds, podcasts, you know, newspapers, so on and so forth, right? You just kind of what people more commonly know as traditional media, right? And good earned media can give birth to to great social media coverage, but but great social media coverage can do the same thing for earned media and a lot faster. So there needed to be a little bit more of a of an increased. There needed to be a really, a really uh, severely. Um, uh, just a strong emphasis on social media and just how dramatically the industry of public relations 
uh, has changed over the last 20 years. I mean, if I were if I were serving as communications director uh, just in the year of 2002 instead of 2022, I mean, we would be running a very different strategy. But whenever it comes down to it, and everybody knows this, uh, the LP National Twitter account is really how uh, the effectiveness of communications at the Libertarian Party is judged. I mean, that is the most immediate and direct way we have of reaching out to, to our followers, to our voters, to our candidates, to our constituents, pretty much everybody uh, who is uh, a stakeholder in some fashion or another, right? Uh, so really, like, we had to get, we had to get, in my opinion, we had to get Twitter uh, running on all cylinders. Uh, so that was one of my first priorities. Secondly was there was no real system I noticed for, for, for really in, engaging in what we call media relations, which isn't just something like talking with the media and sending them press releases and media advisories. Uh, there also needed to be a pretty you know, serious system put in place for how the Libertarian Party, regardless of who is serving as communications director or chair in the future, how does the party actually build relationships with key personnel in the media? That doesn't just mean reporters. That means bookers, producers, uh, hosts of TV shows. How do we actually engage in building those kinds of relationships? So what we kind of call a media relations program, uh, that was uh, you know, kind of the next suite uh, that I started building out. Um, another early realization of mine is that the Libertarian Party really does need to be on a lot more platforms uh, than just Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But just whenever I got here, I noticed there were a lot of things that were going wrong. Um, I think with some of those platforms, it's not disparaging anybody at all. But there were just a lot of capabilities that weren't totally being acted on. There were some things that weren't being done right. So really, my main focus, um, whenever it comes to my focus on social media, um, over the last five months, you know, since I since I you know started as communications director, is let's get things as good as they can possibly be on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and then let's branch out to more things like like YouTube. Uh, so you know, um, it's had its fair degree of challenges, but the metrics have been absolutely incredible. The results have been absolutely incredible. Uh, so my first month serving as communications director at the party. We doubled the amount of earned media coverage the party was getting, and you might be aware of that already, um, because you're just because of your role with the party. But then, between between the beginning of September and the end of October, we doubled the amount of earned media results we were getting. On top of that, meaning that in my first quarter, we we quadrupled the amount of earned media uh, that the Libertarian Party was getting. Like I said, that means TV, radio, op-eds, you know, podcast, newspaper coverage, so on and so forth. Um, and it, it, whatever we, I, I can go into a tool called Meltwater and I can look at the amount of earned media coverage the party was gaining in 2021 and 2020 and 2019. I can go I can go back several years and just the amount of earned media coverage we're getting now that a real media relations program has been instituted. Um, it, it's 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 exponentially more than in any previous year. It's just my first few months here. Um, I'll say I don't. I don't really have the desire to take credit for this stuff because another really profound realization I had, you know, whenever I got to the party was that it, it was as communications director, all the talent and the creativity and the new ideas, they don't need to emanate directly from me. I realized, it, okay, at this, on this particular team, there's already a lot of talent and a lot of passion as communications director it's my job to, number one, not screw that up, right. not be an obstacle, not get in the way, but to learn how to channel all the talent and the creativity uh, that was already there. And, you know, just, and just coach you know, all the members of the team on what they could be doing to be uh, as effective as possible. 
uh, in their respective roles. Uh, and whenever it comes to our Twitter account, I mean, we've gotten, we've earned over 60,000 net followers uh, for LP National Twitter uh, since I, since, you know, I, I teamed up with Dave Benner and a couple of other great folks to really take our Twitter content to the next level. Uh, you know, we, we, we actually went through a couple of different strategies. Um, throughout August and September, there were a couple of different things that we tweaked and tried. Uh, the way that I commonly see it is different Twitter accounts have different personalities. And when they have different personalities, they have slightly different needs, right? So, I mean, I had to do a little bit of experimentation on the front end once I got there, figure out what the LP National Twitter page, for example, what it really needed, do a lot of A-B testing, you know, take good hard looks at the results of each one of these little, you know, two-week experiments we were running, and then just figure out what what where we needed to go next. Um, I mean, I'm proud to say I, I'm not going to divulge my strategy. I don't talk about strategy for how I run any page with anybody, not even with great friends like you. But whenever it comes to, you know, what we're doing now, we have really figured out a formula that I think as the algorithm currently exists, it actually works. Um, and th the numbers have been absolutely unreal in comparison. Like when you compare the rate of growth for the for the LP National page to other libertarian or liberty focused pages like uh, like, you know, students formerly for Ron Paul, a.k.a. Young Americans for Liberation uh, or the Cato Institute or Reason or Students for Liberty. Right. It, it's not even close. Like uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, we've been absolutely dominating uh, those pages. Um you know, th those accounts for quite some time now, not for quite some time, for about the last two and a half to three months. Um, and that's just because, like I said, it's, it's, I don't, I don't really create, I don't create all this content directly, right? What I felt like my role was is to make sure that I'm harnessing uh, the creativity and the talent and the passion that was already there. Um, what I mean, what I've noticed about the Libertarian Party is that there, people are so passionate about this organization. There's so many people who want to see it do well. You know, they, they disagree. Um, even even some of these people who you know seem to exist within common circles, they'll disagree with each other about what the best strategy is forward. Right. But there was there was an abundance, just an overabundance, really, of talent and passion. And I thought, okay, this is a very different problem from what I've seen with other people whose social media accounts I've built. Right, the Libertarian Party never had the problem of not enough passion. Uh, it just it wasn't sure how, how to utilize it properly. Sure. Um, and that, that was one thing that was one of many things that made me realize, OK, the Ron Paul revolution, it lives in, in several places, but it does live at the Libertarian Party. Uh, I firmly believe that. You know, I, I just remember um, there were these questions being asked to Ron Paul. Well, how, how do how do we advance liberty? How do we carry this thing forward? And Ron Paul said, you figure it out. Right. Uh, but that's a that's a very that's a that's really an overview and oversimplification. But there were there was just so much energy there. Um and that, that made it a unique challenge. Like, I mean, I've really helped a lot of different accounts build their publicity, uh, build their social footprint. But the, the LP National Twitter account, for example, it was a pretty unique animal. So to to put you know, kind of a, a cap on what I just discussed, really building out a good media relations program and taking the, the Libertarian Party's relationships uh, with key media personnel seriously, uh, that was number one. Um, that, that involved getting some things straightened out kind of with how the party was able to distribute press releases, um, how it was able to reach out directly to these people, and then getting what I call the main three social media platforms uh, up and going uh, to be as strong as they possibly could, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been an absolutely fun ride. Um, and that, I mean, it has, and I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest, if you had told me a year ago 
that I'd be running communications for the LP, I would think, okay, you're crazy. Right. Uh, I, I would, I, I would have said, if you're crazy, not that I would have hated that outcome, but it just, it, it was, it would have been like unbelievable to me. Okay. I'm running communications for the third largest political party in the country, but here I am. And it's something that I'm absolutely honored uh, to be doing. Uh, so it's been a fun ride and I'm really happy with the results and we're going to take it um, a lot further. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and just to kind of uh, go back to one of your points here, uh, you know, the, the social media, I've watched a couple different iterations of social media uh, teams for the Libertarian Party. Um, there were some people in there that had been entrenched in that social media team for many, 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 many years uh, that thought that they ran everything. Um, and there was a lot of like, I, a lot of, there was a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right? And, and so when you're talking about like how there's all, everybody has a different uh, opinion about how uh, strategy should go and how things should run. That's how it was on like the entire scale. It was like every single person that was a part of that team had a different vision for that team. And I think that was such a problem. I think that's just a problem in the libertarian party and the broader movement as well. You know, we, we kind of, we like argue over ideology, right? Like all the time. Like libertarians are constantly fighting with each other because some people are farther on the libertarian spectrum, as I like to call it, uh, than others. Uh, some want to get off, you know, at a constitutional republic. Some want to get off at the just the Bill of Rights. Some want to get off, you know, when we when we've abolished that drag queen story hour. Yeah, drag. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, shout out to to Chase Oliver. I saw that in the chat. Somebody was talking about him, so it's perfect timing. Um, and and uh, you know that's always kind of been the problem and 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 so when i looked at communications from from a libertarian party standpoint of course i was not a part of the communications team in fact uh both the prior chairs to uh angela who's amazing i love angela to death but both prior chairs uh tried to keep me away at all costs basically from anything that had any outward facing um, job at all. Um, and, and which sucked because I've done a really good job at building platforms for myself. You know what I mean? And I would have liked to have been a part of helping to build the libertarian party platform. Um, but, uh, I, so I didn't have any say in any of that stuff, but I just watched this, this group of people like fight over strategy all the time. I mean, that's literally all it was. And so I always said there needs to be one person who sets the strategy and sets the goal and sets the vision and puts out the metrics. And then other people who, take that and run with it. Right. And, and so it's right. good to see somebody that's like, Hey, I have these plans. This is our strategy. This is how we're going to do things. And then you have a bunch of people who get on that same page and it seems like you guys are doing really well. Now there are a lot of people out there who would say, uh, you know, Hey Reed, you know, you, you're just a Republican light who, uh, who's taken over the libertarian I don't, I don't care what they have to say. I, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that that criticism was going to come, uh, before I, before I, I accepted the position. Um, I don't, I don't care what they have to say. Um, yeah, I mean, who cares? Uh, I mean, just something that I've tried to emphasize to all the volunteers and really just all the members of the team, uh, communications and not communications, uh, with whom I've worked is like, just, there are, there are Monday morning coaches all over the place. There are going to be, you know, God, like it's every single libertarian. I think I'm not joking. I think it's literally every single libertarian I've ever had an opportunity to speak with. I mean, ever has said very strong and very passionate views about what the perfect strategy is for advancing liberty, right? Like they're they're all you know Vince Lombardi or Bill Belichick or something like that, right? right. Um, and I mean you have to you have to you know set your sails in a direction, and you have to go that way. Um, and I, I mean theoretically, I would like to see, um, you know, lowercase L libertarian unity behind what we're doing at the, at the Libertarian Party, but 
Uh, I know you know that that's not a possibility. It's a pipe dream um, for sure. It, it's a pipe dream. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It would be great um, if we could if we could get people on that page. But um, I mean, there there are a lot of people who come to libertarianism through a multitude of different ways. Obviously, that's sure. probably the most that's the least profound thing uh, you're going to hear me say throughout the entirety of this podcast. But I mean, it's true. And uh, people come to libertarianism with different values in mind. That's okay. Something that I've emphasized uh, to to members of my team is that I'm not going to hold a difference within libertarianism against anybody on the social media team. If they're a volunteer, staffer, I'm not. If they if they consider themselves a little bit more of a right libertarian, um, a centrist libertarian, a left libertarian, or some other kind of libertarian, I'm not going to hold that against them. But when they come to the communications team at the, at the libertarian party, I expect good work. Like that's, that's my only standard. And it's pretty clear, if you look at my Twitter page for all of two seconds, I'm a more right-wing leaning libertarian. Okay? Like that that's just a fact. Like I I'm explicitly you, you don't say right-wing anything. with my person with my personal <laughs> philosophy, right? No. But, but I am, right? Yeah, but like there are a lot of people on my team who might value who would consider themselves more left libertarians and they actually have things to give to the conversation. I'm not interested like God, something I've said to, to Angela and several others is that I I'm just not interested in witch hunts. Right. I'm not trying to pick people apart and see who passes some sort of ideological muster. If somebody else wants to do that, you know, I, I, I want nothing to do with it. I'm just here to produce good work for the Libertarian Party. Um, and you know, that's the bottom line. I mean, that's it. So, I mean, I knew that the criticism, though, reads just a Republican, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I've been called a lot worse than Republican sure. uh, <laughs> since, since I took this job. I'm actually surprised you didn't come right out at the beginning of the show, but the hardest hitting question of them all, am I a bigot? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it's, it's funny yeah. because it's, it's, you know, I have had this same issue, right? Like, so I used to have a really big Twitter page, right? Like 20 over 20. Well, really big for a guy who wasn't any, uh, no, was just kind of a no name guy, you know, as the, as an LNC at large and, and, and the host of break the cycle, I had 20,000 followers on my Twitter. Not a bad, it's not a bad number for a guy who was just starting out a show and doing really well. Um, and, it was under my name, Joshua Smith, LNC at large. Uh, yeah, so I had my official title for the party in there and uh, people would get so mad all the time. They're like, oh my God, you have these views and you're putting these views out and you have your, 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 your party, uh, like your actual title of the party on your Twitter page. So you're doing this in the name of the party. And, I, and I'd fight with them and tell them all the time, like, I can say whatever I want. First of all, this is my personal page. This is not a at all whatsoever a a a, a, a part of the Libertarian Party. Um, but that be damned. So I got kicked off of Twitter uh, in November of last year. It's been it's been over a year now. Um, I got kicked off of Twitter for saying one word, just death. That was the word that I said that that was bad enough to get me kicked off. I, I think the actual the, the actual quote was uh, "death is always an option." Um, in regards to the the educator thing that was talking about how we needed to normalize the term minor attracted person and you know how pedophile is a is a bad derogatory term that hurts feelings and this and that and this and that um, and I said death is always an option I was simply discussing capital punishment for those who attack children and hurt children and abuse children and I you know I stand by that statement now uh when I was removed, uh, I got another Twitter that was just, uh, you know, Joshua Smith break the cycle. It didn't have my, it didn't have my um, uh, official title in there at all. Uh, and people were still mad at me because it had my name in there. 
it, 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 that was a, I remember that second iteration. That was like a Twitter page for the podcast rather than. No, I still you, have right? that. I still have the podcast. Okay, okay. We still have the podcast Twitter page, which was started after that second account was taken off of Twitter. Um, so the second account was just uh, Joshua Smith. I think the, the at was break Joshua or something like that. Um, and it was short lived. It wasn't around very long. They got me for, for uh, uh, evading a ban very quickly. I don't know how. Um, probably just IP address or something, but anyway, so, so they took me off there, but people were mad because my name was in there and people knew that I was the vice chair of the libertarian party, or maybe at the time in at large or the libertarian party. Um, and so then when I started my third account, uh, which is Balzania 925 and it's just, it just, <laughs> yeah. it just says Makes couch me, like, I, I, I gotta be honest. Like sometimes like, um, I'm reluctant to retweet that account from LP National because it's a pun. Balls on you. Like, I like, I want to, I want to like get you out there and promote. I get right? it, but dude. It's like, I get it's, it. It's like I don't want the word balls on LP National. It's like lasagna with balls, dude. And yeah, uh, exactly. And, and so it is it, it, for for those of you that don't know, my Twitter tag is also my Xbox gamer tag that has been my gamer tag for. <laughs> over a decade um and so if you ever want to play some Fortnite or something stupid like that let me know that's how you play uh so anyway so now i have this anonymous account right uh and i and i do air quotes there anonymous because everybody knows it's me um but it's my anonymous account and these same people are upset with me for saying things on my anonymous twitter account that has nothing to do with the libertarian party doesn't say the libertarian party in the bio it does it doesn't have a it didn't for the longest time have a picture of me Uh, i did just finally put a picture of myself up there um and and uh they were still upset about it so i came to the realization that it has nothing to do with the fact that it was part that they they think of it as a party asset and everything to do with they don't like my ideas um and they're mad that i'm saying them in public I mean, that's really what it comes right. down to. And I think, I think that, you know, you kind of have this same issue going on where it's like you say one thing from your own page and everybody right. loses their fucking mind about it, right? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I'll say, I think, I think these people might be getting bored with me. Um, I can only hope that I'm getting that lucky. Whenever I first took the job as communications director, like people dug up all kind of crazy stuff like that they thought was like a, an attack on me. Like they, they found... Uh, something I put on, on my Facebook page, not even the same platform, uh, about uh, how every attempt to uh, infiltrate Christianity should be seen as, seen as an attempt to destroy Christianity, right? right? Um, and people like were calling me a theocrat or, or something something else stupid over that. I feel like it has slowed down a little bit. Maybe maybe this mob is just, maybe they're all attacking you instead. Maybe they're finding somebody else to go after. Oh, brother, they've been, attacking, they've been attacking me for a lot of right. years now, dude. Uh, and- but I, I do think, you know, they're getting a little bit bored with me, fortunately. Um, and I'll say, like, there's never even once been uh, someone, like, actually at the Libertarian Party who has told me that, like, I need to refrain from saying something, right? right. Um, like, I, I've always had, you know, that creative freedom to say with my account. Uh, whatever I want to say uh, with my account. And I like to think I don't take it too far. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not milk toast. I consider myself very much a kind of a radical person. Uh, but, uh, you know, people, I just, every time I look at this, like that occasional comment of somebody trying to be snarky or sending a screenshot of something I said a long time ago that they think is bad or saying that, oh my God, how, how is this getting libertarian candidates elected? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's like, always the good one. How were yeah, you getting, right. a li- how were you getting libertarian candidates? Elected? Yeah. How, <laughs> how had gotten anybody yeah. elected? <laughs> right. And, and so um, I just can't help but think like, just imagine if they put a 10th of that energy into, like they said, actually getting a candidate elected, you know, um, it's, it's, it's just more wasted energy, but you know, we can't, 
like I said, you know, towards the beginning of, of the show, we can't hope to bring everybody along for the ride. Yep. Uh, it's just not possible. There are a lot of people on our movement who get a little bit of a short term, like dopamine rush from engaging in these stupid, you know, little Twitter bouts. Um, but something that I've tried to emphasize to, to the comms team at the party is that, you know, we don't, we don't get caught up on that. I don't, I don't want to engage in these food fights. There have been a couple of instances where, for example, uh, Nick Sarwark said something, you know, that was, you know, patently false about my employment history. So I, I took, I took the gloves off and I ratioed his ass. As you should. Um, and, I, and, I, and I don't regret that one bit. Uh, you know, there are a couple of cases where, I mean, you have, you have to fight these people. Occasionally you have to throw a rock at that barking dog. Yep. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, to cite a little bit of Winston Churchill, who I'm not even necessarily crazy about, you'll never reach your destination if you throw rocks at every dog that barks, right? right. Uh, that's that's a philosophy that I try to bring to the party. We're not focused on the naysayers. We're not focused on the whiners. Uh, we're trying to, to get this party to actualize um, its full potential. You know, that's my goal here um, is to continue to take it to higher and higher and higher heights. That's something that I've I've struggled with for uh, quite some time as well is <laughs> is the not throwing stones at every dog that barks. I it's I, fun. It is fun, uh, dude. But I like, do, like you, you got to move on, you know. Yeah. Well, it, well, here's the thing, and 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 in the in regards to Nick Sarwark, of course, I I anybody who was um, uh, part of the Sarwark camp in 2018, I had to fight with because. Of, Hell, I was running against Nick Sarwark, right. and he was saying a lot of crazy things, and his supporters were saying a lot of crazy things. And if I had never, if I had never pushed back on a lot of these people, uh, everybody out in libertarian land would think that I'm a deadbeat dad who can't keep a job and beats women and does all these things that they say I do, right? Um, and so, if I had not fought back for a long time, that's where I would be. And so, I had to, and I kind of got caught up in it. And I still get caught up in it. It still happens. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. And, but you know, at this point, it's like it is fun to to ratio people and retweet them. And 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 yeah, I I almost is. like when they give me that red meat. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, oh really? That's you're going to give me that one, huh? All right, cool. Let's go with that. Um, you right. brought up, you brought up another good point too, the religious thing. You know, I I found my faith. Uh, uh, refound my faith um, uh, several years ago now, um, but for a long time I was kind of falling away. And um, I think that the church, the modern church, this this um, kind of reconstructionist movement has been really bad. And I've been saying a lot of things about the reconstructionist movement and, or, or and uh, deconstructionism, and and how you know they're they're kind of tearing down. Uh, the gospel and 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 really you know trying to build it up as something it's not um, and I think that that's a really important part of like the culture war that is being forgotten by by Christians especially especially yeah. and so I'm happy to have a communications manager that's interested in those <laughs> things you know what I mean well it's it's not even just public schools where we're seeing you know this crazy gen this gender insanity like have you seen this footage of these churches where they have they have drag queens, you know, dressed up with oh, all yeah. this crazy regalia yeah. on them, and they're and they're they're lecturing the congregation on equality. I actually, no, there was something else crazy. You might want to pull this up. This was uh, so the, the 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 Christmas Carol. God rest ye merry men, right? Um, God rest ye merry gentlemen. You know what I'm talking about? It, yes. It's this. It goes all the way back to the 17th century. Uh, there was uh, there was an Anglican church over in the UK that actually rewrote. The lyrics to this like you know centuries old you know hymn uh to to mean uh it was like um get lost ye ye, ye touchy gentlemen or something right um and it was it was like like overtly feminist and it was woke and it was talking about how women have been silenced and fortunately there were enough christians who who made an outcry over that but um Auron mcintyre has a really good metaphor that he that he provides about this and he says your progressivism 
will hollow out your religion and wear its skin as a trophy. Like I, I see that happening. Like I see the framework of Judeo Christianity uh, being distorted and used to alienate, you know, these you know, to, to alienate, you know, the original sinners who are the, the white males, the, the Christians, the straight white Christians, you know, so on and so forth. You know, right. you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, we see, you know, uh, the, the framework of the Christian religion being distorted so that now the original sinner, um, you know, it's, it's this, the white male, the, the straight white Christian, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so, no, I think that you're absolutely right to be talking about this. And a strategic error that I think libertarians make is forgetting that, you know, the the most powerful and the most popular form of voluntary association in America is, the church. is churches. Yep. It's Christianity. Like, like whenever we talk a big game about voluntary association, about people coming together and congregating based on common values they have rather than like a monetary incentive, right? Like people with similar values with, with who want a sense of community, all of that. I mean, the structure for that has been brought to, to America through, through churches, through Christianity, through religion. And you, there's an old quote, an old adage that goes all the way back to the great awakening period. So the century before the American revolution goes, America has the soul of a church. I think this is absolutely true. So like, if you can corrupt Christianity, if you can corrupt you know, the church, you know, lowercase c church, not necessarily meaning the Catholic church. If you can corrupt that, you can twist that towards your means. I mean, you've really captured the soul of the country yeah. or you've torn it out. So I, I think that you're absolutely right. Um, I don't even really consider myself the most religious person. I don't consider myself a particularly pious or, or, or you know, an especially faithful person. Um, I, but I'm not against faith. I'm not against religion um, at all. And I think that, you know, libertarians make a serious mistake when they disregard it or they treat it like it's another form of tyranny uh, that is somehow akin to the state, I think this is patently and strategically just wrong. I think it's, it's not going to get us anywhere. So, I mean, as communications director, I'm just as thrilled as you are to see a vice chair um, who I think thinks along a very similar sort of wavelength. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, I, like I said, I, I refound my faith and um, some, some might call me a zealot, but I'm not, I don't really believe that I'm a zealot. I just believe that I, I'm kind of watching um, the modern uh, religious movement kind of become this reconstruction, this uh, movement. And it's really, it's kind of upsetting to me. And fun, it's funny because I didn't even know the term reconstructionist until uh, I went, I went to the winter jam concert here in Iowa uh, with the kids. Cause I don't know if you know what winter jam is, but it's a big religion, mm -hmm. a big Christian concert. There's like, 10, 15 bands playing and, and, uh, skillet was the headliner. Okay. Now skillet's been a cheesy band most of my life, but, uh, they put out a couple good jams and their new album's really good. And he's really anti reconstructionist, uh, or, or deconstructionist movement. Um, and he was talking about, I was like, yeah, dude, they're like literally trying to basically say, don't listen to the Bible anymore. Right. And as a Christian, as, as a, as a, a, a Jesus follower, right? Like that's, that's your holy text. Like that's what gives you the, the moral framework that you work inside as a Christian. And so it's just really, it's really funny for me to see how pissed off people get when you just quote scripture, dude. Like if you just, well, wait, you, you mean to tell me that you don't enjoy being lectured about what Christ would do from people who've never read the Bible. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> dude. It blows my mind. Um, and, and it's, it's so funny. Like, like, you know, I, I get called regularly on, on, uh, on Twitter, an anti-Semite or anything like something like that just for quoting the bible and so now if you quote the bible you're an anti-semite because it does say in there that at, at the behest of of the jewish leaders 
uh, Jesus was murdered. That was, you know, he, he was threatening their, um, religious cultural dominance in, in especially that part of the world. He was, uh, converting people away from Judaism, uh, and, and they were following Jesus now there, you know, and, uh, and, and Jews do not believe that Christ is the living savior. And so, um, you know, by doing miracles and stuff like that. It says this all in the Bible. So if you explain But don't this, dare say that or you'll be smeared as a you as, know as an anti Semite yeah. for just just saying what happened in history and, and quoting right. the Bible and it just blew my mind. Um and now I've started to really see what's going on in the in the Libertarian Party. Uh you know, there's this anti Christian movement in the libertarian movement. Um and it, it's it, and what exactly what you said. It's like it is such a voluntary organization, like most of most of the church, right? Um to the point of where Democrats will say that we need to start taxing the churches, right? And right. and and libertarians not pushing back on that are idiots, right? You're like, yeah, you're, you, absolutely. You have you have this opportunity to show an organization that is completely voluntary. Now they do all kinds of charity work. Churches do, you know, take take away the the huge mega churches and the the people that you see on TV. The churches do a ton of charity work. I mean, they they feed the homeless, they clothe the homeless, they send presents all over the world on Christmas time. They raise money for people. They help new families. They do all kinds of shit for free. Right. Okay, for free. They do not charge you for these things. Now you can tithe. You should tithe if you're a Christian. You should tithe. It's it's an important part of being Christian, in my opinion. And that's so, how they make uh, their money. So, but I mean, I have a question for you now. I mean, a complaint that I hear, not about anything that the Libertarian Party is doing messaging wise, but about something that the key kind of influencers around the party are doing is that they're, they're focusing too much on Israel and Zionism and the Jews and whatever. Um, and I mean, I have to be like from a third party, you know, kind of uh, from a third person kind of perspective, I'm seeing a, a little bit of that. Like, it's I remember a couple of months ago, I was thinking, like, why are so many influencers in and around the movement talking about Zionism, talking about Israel, talking about the Jews? Like, this is a big distraction. So I guess I'm wondering, like, do you think at some point, like, it becomes a distraction from bigger issues we should be trying to solve, like the Federal Reserve or inflation or foreign policy or uh, something like that? I don't I don't necessarily disagree. Um, okay. and, and I think, I think that to me, the conversation, uh, around Zionism specifically is more rooted in control. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I think that that's the big, that's the big argument, uh, that happens in the libertarian party is, is, is there a religious group of people that are, are controlling tons of institutions around the country? Now that's up for debate. Um, it's something that we're probably not going to debate heavily on the show here. Um, but I think that that's more what that conversation and that argument stems from is, is, is the Kanye West, like, you know, like argument. Um, uh, but in my opinion and, and what I think, thank you so much, JC for the $10 uh, super chat. He says, wishing you all a good 2023. Remember guys, if you super <laughs> chat, I'll read them on the show. Uh, now, in my opinion, you know, I think it's a communist movement that, that is trying to control all the institutions. And in fact, the communist, parties around the world have admitted to that numerous times and we're still told that cultural right. marxism isn't a thing and it's fake and if you say it you're a nazi and this and that and this and that despite the fact that these yeah. these communist groups have said that they are trying to uh integrate themselves all over the culture and i think that that's also part of 
who's trying to to cock and subvert the church right like i think it's the same thing i think it's the communist movement it's what they're doing they yes. they, they take over the culture they by taking over the the media and the schools and, and institutions and i mean that's what they do so to me that's a much more productive conversation than hey are the jews doing this it's the, right. it's the communists it's been the communists we've been told repeatedly over and over and over by people around the world that it's the communists we've been told by the communists that it's the communists and, and yeah, it's one of those things yeah. that your enemies can openly brag about but as soon as someone on the right points and says look here's what they're saying they're they're smeared as a, a racist or some other kind of silly ist uh you know so i think i think that you know, you're exactly right so it sounds like you and i agree that like leading with, with like the jews or israel's not necessarily the most productive way of actually shifting the dialogue where we need it to shift right yeah, no, okay. I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Naturals Capitalist, thanks. What's up, man? He says the Liberty Movement needs more reads. <laughs> well, he, um, I, I would agree. I think he's right. Um, he might be a read. He's, he's, he's right about a lot of things. I've noticed that there, there's a lot of good commentary that comes out of that uh, Naturalist Capitalist show. But let's, let's thank our lucky stars. It's not the Naturist uh, Capitalist show. It is the Naturalist I'm a, I'm Capitalist a, I'm show. I'm a big fan of Reed. Uh, I had him on. I had, I, did, Reed, did we do our show? Did we do our show? The, the we we had a show booked, and I remember that we had to replan it or something. Did we ever end up? Did we ever up end up redoing that show? I don't remember. Sorry, which read are you talking no, uh, to? Read, okay. read Coverdale, uh, and I were okay. supposed to we were supposed to have a show on here. I think we did my show, but didn't do his show, or the other way around. I don't remember. I can't remember. Um, and I know I'm gonna be on. Uh, I'm gonna be on Tower Power Hour soon, so I'm sure I'll see him there. Um, guys, uh, let's just take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, if that's all right. The tree of liberty must be watered from time to time with the blood of tyrants. The official spirit of 1776. Smooth. Flavorful. Merlot. For any revolution, tyrants are losing their heads over this wine. Enjoy the taste of freedom. Drink the blood of tyrants. Order today at bloodoftyrants.wine. Save 10% with the code BREAK. All right, guys. Definitely check out the Blood of Tyrants wine if you get a chance. Uh, use that that code BREAK. Um, it's good wine, man. And and it's honestly like if you have it on your table, it's like it's totally a conversation starter. How could you, how could you not have a wine uh, on your table that has a, a tag that says Blood of Tyrants and not have a conversation about it? It's pretty cool stuff. Definitely check it out if you guys get a chance. Use BREAK for a 10% discount. In fact, I think you also get a discount if you order like the more bottles you order, you get a bigger discount. So if you order like a 6 or 12 pack, you're going to get a big discount and use BREAK. You still get 10% off that as well. So uh, good stuff. Everybody's like weird commercial, but okay. Uh, that somebody, somebody, in, uh, somebody in the chat is named Daylight. And I was thinking that it was the legendary uh, uh, battle rapper for a minute, oh. and I got really excited. But I, I don't think that's the person that that that, <laughs> that battle rapper shit on the stage once. It was pretty dope. Um, so so Reed, uh, we won't get too far into it. But have have you uh, paid attention at all to this this uh, Andrew Tate stuff that's going on? Well, to be honest, no. Like I'm kind of proud the. The level of detail that I've not paid to this because like I, I never cared about Andrew Tate or his brother. I just didn't. Like Pizza Tate is, is what I want to call him now if I call him anything. But like similar to what we were talking about, you know, just before the break, to me, this is like another one of those like maybe a nothing burger issue that, that libertarians should disregard. I mean, there are so many more important things 
happening in the world. Okay, so Graded Thunberg completely burns him, just obliterates him on Twitter. Who cares? Okay, yeah, it's likely that her tweet will become one of the top five ever tweets in terms of number of likes and, and impressions and stuff. Who cares? This is a BS issue. Um, I think it's kind of hilarious that uh, Andrew Tate seems to have been dumb enough to include a pizza box in some sort of like comeback video. But I did. I had somebody in the comments on my Twitter account telling me today that that's actually not what he was arrested. I have to admit, I don't care. I'm reading about a lot more important stuff. It's it's just like it's it's not even going to be a story in two to three days. Nobody's going to care. Every now and again, people will will refer to uh, Greta Thunberg's clapback, which I have to admit, even as a person who despises Greta, made me laugh a little bit. I'm not talking about the first one where it was like the email address. It was like, oh, was there another this one? What, this is what. Yeah, she said this is like after Andrew Tate got arrested, she said this is what happens when you don't recycle your pizza boxes. I thought, okay, that made me chuckle a little bit. That's right? pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, but like, I don't really care. Yeah, I, I, so, so I actually watched Andrew Tate when he was a kickboxer. Like oh, that, shoot, okay. I, you know, I did, I did, I did MMA for ten years on and off. Never, never competitively. I just trained. I wrestled for fourteen years, but I've always really been into mixed martial arts and kickboxing and jujitsu. And I watch all kinds of competitions all the time. So I, I knew who Andrew Tate was before he became this, like mis- whatever they call him, the misogynist, Mr. Misogynist or whatever. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I've been following him for a long time and, and he's, I talked about him on the last show we did. Um, and I, and I said some favorable things about him because I, I think he's got a lot of really good insights on a lot of shit. Um, especially the COVID thing to me, that was what, he, when I really kind of was like, okay, this guy's cool. Cause he was like, listen, your government's lying to you. Everything is wrong. They've been lying to you for years. Like he was very on point about that shit. And so, you know, to have that big of a following and be doing that, cause he's got a huge five billion person following or some shit. It's crazy. Right. And so to have all that, that amount of following and to be saying that stuff was really, really, you know, it's good. It's brave for me. Now, that being said. Uh, you know, if these charges stick and he was human trafficking, he's a piece of shit. He can rot in hell, right? That's how, yes, I, that's, absolutely. how I, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, um, yeah. But I also want people to know that this is not the first time his his luxury villa in, in Romania has been raided. This is the third time this year. Um, they they raided him once in April. They raided him once in September, and they've raided him again now. Now he but is. A, doesn't that seem to indicate that they could have arrested him sooner? Well, he's um, here's here's what it indicates to me. Uh, he's a very influential person who has hundreds of millions of followers, right? Uh, he's very, very well off. He's very rich. And he says whatever the fuck he wants anytime he wants to say it. Now, when you have those kind of chops, we see what the media and the police and the government want to do to you, right? Like, like whether it be Kanye West or anybody else who's ever stepped out of line to the mainstream narrative, all of the people who were removed from society for saying things that were unfavorable to the narrative about COVID, uh, they want you arrested. They want you. They want you destitute, and they want you in jail or murdered or worse. Right? I mean, this is this is we know that this is how it works. Okay. Now, three times to be raided at the same place in in one year, and nothing has come of it. I'm gonna wait till more information comes out because yeah, yeah. I I I I have had people call the Department of Child Services on me to try and get my children taken away. I have people. I've had people call my jobs not just one job, several jobs, several times to try and get me fired. Um, if they could find a way to try and get me arrested, they would do it. If they could find a way to swap me or get me, uh, uh, you know, to lose my job, they would do it. So I know how this society of, of communist shitheels works. 
Um, and so I'm not ever taking anything I see in the media seriously until there's right. absolute fucking proof. Well, um, yeah, I mean, innocent until proven guilty. I mean, that's a standard we should absolutely apply. But I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, if he's a human trafficker, if, if these claims are true, that he's forcing women to engage in different like sex acts, yeah, rot he's, he's imprisoning them. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, yeah, rot in hell. Like I mean, you're, you're the scum of the earth. You're everything that I despise about the state into a person who as far as i know is not affiliated with the state so yeah um if, if he's guilty of that um yeah let him rot in hell but i mean the overall exchange like, yeah we should wait um if i'm not mistaken he's going to be in prison for or jail or whatever or is it 30 days they say like, i heard something about a 30-day hold but i also have seen that he was released right away so i don't know which one is yeah. the truth who knows i don't think he was released like i think like i heard i saw a claim that he was released like a couple of hours after he was jailed, but it looked kind of uh like it didn't look credible to me. Uh, that looked like like clickbait, like nonsense. Um, I did see a couple of other news sources, like, like just mainstream news sources, uh, talking today about how he's he's going to be uh, in jail for thirty days. Right? I don't know what the philosophy for that is, what the rationale is, why it's thirty days. You know what what the conditions are. I have no idea. But uh, I mean, if he's if he's a child trafficker, he should go away the rest of his yeah, life. Yeah, and I agree. Um, and 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 in fact, Gunpowder and Vanilla is in the chat saying that that she's been speaking against his uh, his trafficking a long time. That there's a lot. I think I know that lot. person. So, yeah, I think you might. <laughs> I think you might as well. Uh, and and she's saying that. So I don't know. I haven't ever seen any credible stuff about him being a, a sex trafficker. Now I know he was like a porn king for a while, like a cam king, and he had. Oh God! Yeah, oh man! Oh, yeah, yeah. No, not him personally, but he had women, oh, okay, he had okay. women, and he's talked about how he had women that did cams that he, you know, right. he he basically was like, in my opinion, a pimp. Now, I from what I understood, he had given up on that, and I'm not a fan of that, right? Like, I I I am uh, anti-porn. I think sex work is not world right. work. I'm I I fucking I'm. I know that that might come as a shock to some people, but I'm uh, really heavily invested in like the nuclear family. And I think porn ruins relationships. And, and I think it's terrible for, for, for uh, brain development and growth and, and relationships. And so I am, I am not into that uh, at all. I'm not saying I never was, um, but so I don't think that that's a good thing, but if, you know, it's not something that I'm also. Now, I really took you as a sort of a polyamorous a sort of guy. Yeah, there, can't you tell? <laughs> you can tell, right? With all my my kids and and supporting a family and all right. that stuff. Um, no, I I just I, you know, I'm. It's not my thing. I I'm not into it. And I and I know and I know that you know laws against it would probably be bad. Now that said, if people are getting hurt and there's human trafficking, you should you should go to jail. Um, and so. You know that's kind of where I'm at, and and uh, in that whole situation now, if if you know if there's some more information that I'm missing, I would love to watch it and check it out well, and see what's going on. And you know, there's um, a story that that kind of runs along these lines that to me is just is way more important. So um, obviously the media they're trying to get us also not just focused on Andrew Tate, but focused on these stupid tax returns from Donald Trump. With that to me, that's just kind of like another kind of nothing burger oh, yeah, story. Yeah, even more of a nothing burger than what's happening with Greta and Andrew Tate. But maybe you've seen this already. J.P. Morgan Chase and Company was actually implicated in the Epstein Island scandal. Doesn't this at week. all surprise me. Not at all. So, like, dude, yeah. this is crazy. So, uh, this isn't just like like really obscure, maybe right wing outlets reporting on this. This is like CBS, Bloomberg, CNN, The Guardian, The Hill, Business Insider, even Fox Business. Like, they're, they're all reporting on this. This has been a story for the last couple of days, but it has flown under the radar. So is the attorney general of the U.S. Virgin Islands. She actually filed a 100-page complaint with the Southern District of New York a couple of days ago. I think it, maybe it was Tuesday 
alleging that J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, quote, turned a blind eye to evidence that Epstein was using that bank to fund his illicit activities on the island. So I. Oh, you froze up there, Reed. Basically, so the claim is that specific and special kind of bank account that Jeffrey Epstein was given access to. Um, the executives at J.P. Morgan knew, like, they were aware that he had this account. They were aware of what he seemed to have been using the, the funds for, right, which is all, all the horrible stuff that Andrew Tate is guilty of. We don't even have to go into detail about what it is that Epstein was guilty of. But now it looks like J.P. Morgan is actually implicated in this. That's the most powerful bank in America. The fifth largest bank in the world is now getting dragged into this. And so, like, a big part of my job as a communications director, obviously, I have to follow what's happening in the news. But just like I have to follow what the media is saying, what interests me at least as much as what they're not saying. So I, I did a little bit of reading on this over the last couple of days, like what's happening with, with Epstein, what's happening with J.P. Morgan, like what, what kind of claims are being levied against them. What I notice is that none of them are naming names. Like none of these, none of these corporate media outlets of course are not. naming the individuals who, who may be responsible, right? So it, it, this is another tactic. So they're releasing the story, but they're not really releasing the story in a way that could actually result in some level of responsibility for the individuals involved here, right? So like to me, like that, that's just crazy. Like we're looking at the possibility of well, well George Carlin called it a big club, right? And we're seeing another another you know member of the big club, so to speak. You know, they're they're getting dragged into this. It turns out they've been involved with it the whole time. It was actually over 10 years. JP Morgan was aware that Epstein was using his bank account through JP Morgan Chase and Company to fund these illicit activities, and they turned a blind eye to it. To me, like that, that like that's what libertarians, that's one of many things we should be talking about, man. Not not this nonsense with Greta and Andrew Tate, but the fact that, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, the largest bank in this country, is covering for who knows, who knows, who knows. what. I mean, who knows who was involved well, in let's, Epstein let's, Island. Let's but be honest. The, Bill the, exec there's, the execs there were probably at on the Lolita Express yeah. and going to going to the island. I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, they're on Epstein's list. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I'm sure the execs were there and, and enjoying the fruits of his labors and, um, you know, they're it's it's a sick fucking world that we live in and somehow all the sickos get up to the top you know what i mean and but i wonder why that less than 24 hours after this story breaks on tuesday um we suddenly start hearing about what donald trump's tax returns and, and greta thunberg uh you know clapping back at andrew tate and suddenly everybody's hatred and everybody's animosity towards human trafficking is not being sent towards jeffrey epstein it's being sent towards this, you know, misogynist, manosphere enthusiast, whatever, Andrew Tate, right? Uh, to me, like, that that's just crazy, right? It's so, like, what I think is it, just as important that libertarians understand history and that they understand Austrian economics, they need to understand how the media works. What are the kind of propaganda techniques that the mainstream media, that Hollywood, that all the different components of the propaganda machine use to distract us, to fill our heads with garbage, to propagandize us, to indoctrinate us, to, to do whatever they want to, to manipulate us in whatever way they want, right? Sure. So it's it's so important, I think, strategically, even philosophically, libertarians really need to try to take a little bit more initiative, I think, to under to really follow the media and dispel the lies of the media, in particular, the, the media's the media's sort of propaganda smoke that they use. Smoke and mirrors. 
Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Mike Stone Toss, man, that's huge. $50 super chat for the fam, dude. Thank you so much, man. Seriously. Awesome. Happy New Year's and, and Merry Christmas to you, man. That's a that's a great one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh yeah, no, I agree, dude. And and it's such a it it's all about the deflection, right? Like like you and I know this. This is how it works with the media. You know, it's like if if one thing big is going on, they're going to be like, "Hey, everyone look over here." You know, uh uh right. you know, Kate Moss and or uh Tom Brady's breaking up with his wife after 20 years. You know what I mean? Like they they do everything they can and that's why that's why they put out so much entertainment news, right? That's where TMZ yep. and and E, I mean, back in the day when I was a kid, they had E, right? And like instead of watching the news or paying attention or reading the newspaper, people will go watch E Hollywood Entertainment. And you, they'd spend all day watching that shit. And it was like, you'd know everything you needed to know about every actor and actress in Hollywood, but you didn't know shit about what was going Tommy on in the Lee Middle East. Tommy Lee or the Kardashians or whoever it was yes. back then, right? Yes, yeah. you, you had no idea what was going on in the Middle East, but you had every idea about what was going on in Hollywood, right? And, well, yeah, and like speaking of like stuff that the media is putting out, like, dude, December, like just looking back at the month of December 2022, like from, from the perspective of somebody like me who follows the news cycle, this has been a crazy month. I remember like October and November, uh, th those entire months, I was following them, like trying to see like what stories were really coming up. Like what, what was the media really reporting on? It was so boring. It was dry. Dude, this month has been insane. So early, this was like the first week of December, Business Insider broke a story about how, and this is, this is at least 90% propaganda, about how Russia is like abducting and deporting Ukrainian children. And sending them, sending them into Russia for like slave labor and stuff, right? Um, and like the Ukrainian government claims it's like three hundred seven thousand Ukrainian children were being like slowly abducted, sent into Russia. I don't know to work in modern modern day gulags or something. So I take note of that. I'm thinking, okay, that's an interesting sort of claim that's building up there. And then what do I see last week? The Washington, the Washington Post, the third largest newspaper in America, also picked up the story. And then I see CNN starting to talk about it. And like you might not even have even heard about this, but I'm gonna be bold enough to make a prediction now. Don't be surprised when, <clears throat> like in a couple of months, we start hearing all these hysterical claims about how Russia is abducting Ukrainian children by the hundreds of thousands and sending them into camps, right. and that these claims are used to muster support for World War III, for for more funding for Ukraine, for so on and so forth. So, like I'm seeing that, and it's just crazy, like how widely. The, the numbers vary. So, and by that, I mean the Ukrainian government uh, claims that at least 307,000 Ukrainian children are missing and have been sent back to Russia. But journalists on the ground are saying, no, this sounds like more to maybe, more like maybe 10 to 20,000. Um, and they're not actually being taken into Russia. They're kind of being taken into Crimea, which is a bit different. So like there are these, these you know, wildly differing claims here, but that's just something I couldn't help but notice. But when it comes to what's happening with like this impending possibility of World War Three, yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely critical. Yet yeah, we pay attention to Ukraine, pay attention to Belarus, of course, because now it looks like Belarus is involved in this thing. They're shooting down Ukrainian missiles yeah. in the southern part of their country now. Yeah. But a country that I'm paying attention to is actually Japan, and you're not we're not hearing a lot about Japan right now, right? But we should. So we're hearing Ukraine. You know, Russia, a little bit of Belarus. We're hearing plenty about China and Taiwan. But not only has December been an absolutely crazy month, kind of in the world of geopolitics, the last week in particular has been nuts. So as a lot of people know already, uh, Japan, uh, it, it was forced to, to enact a new sort of post-war peace constitution.
uh, that went into effect in 19, 1947. It's called the Japanese Peace Constitution, right? Um, and Article 9 of that constitution uh, from like immediate post-war period, uh, it has a lot of restrictions on the kind of military that Japan is allowed uh, to maintain. Gee, where have we seen restrictions like that before uh, going horribly wrong? But it has a lot of restrictions on the kind of military uh, that Japan is allowed to maintain. Um, has a lot of restrictions on what sort of situations in which Japan is allowed to attack. But last week, so the prime minister of Japan, uh, Fumio Kishida, he actually instituted a new series of so-called defense guidelines uh, enshrined in a new doctrine called the National Security Strategy of Japan, NSS. Okay, I'm hitting you guys with a lot, but I'm about to explain exactly what this means. So whenever it comes to the so-called National Security Strategy uh, or NSS of Japan, there are three things really to remember here. Number one, so this new this new NSS of Japan, um, it completely supersedes the 1947 Peace Constitution, okay? Right. So the most important part of the Peace Constitution of Japan, which stipulated that Japan could only defend its soil, that's been completely and totally upended. Not only that, it declares China, I'm not even joking, dude, the greatest threat to Tokyo in world history. You can't make this up. Wow. So the Japanese government, just signed off on a document calling China the greatest threat to Tokyo in world history. It also declares North Korea to be what's called an imminent threat to the security of Tokyo. It's going to double Japan's military spending. So Japan already has one of the biggest defense budgets in the world, right? Defense budget. But they're going to double their spending. And guess what? This week, Japan just became the third, like the country with the third largest defense budget of anywhere in the world, Okay. They're, they're now number three in the world in terms of the size of their defense spending. Well, I wonder what's number yes. one. Yeah, I, well, yeah, gee, I wonder who that could be, <laughs> right? But but now Japan has just made their way to number three. Guess who is excited about that? I don't know. Weapons manufacturing. Oh, yeah, they're right? stoked, yeah. So that just happened this week, and now Japan actually has the authority to, to attack countries who, well, Japan now has the authority to defend its allies, meaning Japan now has authorization from the United States, basically, because Japan is essentially a proxy government of the United States right. to attack countries who attack the United States. So now here's what's even more fascinating about all this. In July 2014, so just a, this is just a few months after the so-called Revolution of Dignity, in which we overthrew uh, Viktor Yanukovych in Ukraine, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the democratically elected prime minister of Ukraine, just a couple of months after February, uh, February 2014, in which that happened, Japan actually revised Article 9 of its peace constitution to allow the Japanese government to defend its allies, okay? So that was like one microsc microscopic step towards this very bad situation. And something that probably that a lot of now. people don't know as well. Yeah. Something that, that a lot of people don't know. So what I'm seeing here is a, is a very strong possibility that even though Japan has not been in the news cycle uh, very much, you know, since 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 the war between Russia and Ukraine kicked off earlier this year, Japan could end up becoming just as important a, a player in the eventual World War III as perhaps Ukraine is now, or even more important. Because once again, Japan is essentially a proxy government of the United States, and Japan's military is essentially a proxy military of the United States. I so, feel like I feel like Japan was uh, was a pretty important player in the last World War. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> I just, I, some, some history book uh, told me something about him at one point. Uh, that sounds I, vaguely familiar, but like, to me, like, it's not even a question. 
as to whether these people are trying to plunge us into World War III, to me, it's like the timeline. Because the bottom line, we have to remember, is not the war itself. The bottom line for these people is profit for the military-industrial complex, right? So like, they, they wouldn't go to war if war were profitable. And if they could make more, if they can make more money by sending us to war tomorrow, they absolutely would. Yeah. I mean, the profit is, is their bottom line. So what I'm thinking may happen is they will continue to whip up as much war hysteria as they can for as long as they can. They'll maximize their profits that way. And so that doesn't really give me a lot of comfort. To me, that's like prolonging the inevitable. It's like, am I really that happy that World War II, I'm sorry, World War III might be happening in a couple of years instead of a couple of months? I don't know. Uh, am, am I really happy about that? Uh, may, maybe, maybe not. Right. But to me, like it's the, the timeline is a little bit more obscure to me because we see Belarus entering, you know, entering the war in sort of an unofficial capacity earlier this month, whatever that means. And now Japan is becoming a key player. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I, uh, I just want to give a correction. I, I think I called Mike Stonehouse, Mike Stone toss earlier. You called him Stone Toss. I, I did, thought we yeah. were talking about the comic book artist. I sure, <laughs> I, I, I had, I must have had Stone Toss on my mind when I said that, man. I'm sorry. And they, the super chats right now have fireworks in them from, uh, from for New Year's Eve, and so like I can't. I couldn't read the name and I just somehow got it in my head that it was stone toss. And so it was like, you know, halfway me not paying very well attention and uh, halfway me trying to give you a ha an awesome shout out. Cause stone toss is dope, dude. I love stone toss. I don't care. I don't care who calls me a Nazi for liking stone toss. His comics are great. Um, yeah, this, this, this whole thing, the whole thing with, uh, with Ukraine and it's just, it's all a big proxy war. And, and, and you know, it's, it's so funny cause obviously a lot of people would disagree with you that Japan is a proxy uh, government for. Well, they for can be wrong. I mean, <laughs> a lot I, of I don't. Would. I don't really care if they disagree with me or not. Like that. That's objectively true. Right. Right. And and it has been objectively true for for a uh, hundred years. I mean, it really has. You know, and 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 I think people are a lot of those people that would disagree with you uh, don't understand. Are funded by. CIA? Well, there's the they're funded by the CIA or <laughs> or the FBI, who's really just the domestic CIA, right? Um, and uh, and um, I don't think they understand the impact that uh, World War II had on Japan. I, I think right. that a lot of people don't understand understand that. And you know, you still get these arguments all the time that you know dropping the bombs saved a bunch of lives and this and that. But really, what it what it did was it 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 basically we pushed our finger into Japan's chest and said, you're going to do our bidding for uh, the next hundred years. And they have, and and that's yeah. really what it is. Yeah, that's absolutely what it was. I mean, uh, the same exact thing that the allied powers did to Germany at the end of world war one, we did to Japan at the end of world war two. I mean, I think that, you know, that that's objectively true. Yep. No, I, I definitely agree with you there. And, and uh, man, it's whole, it's, it's really the whole thing. It, it sucks, dude. Like, like I don't want, I don't want a world war for my children or my grandchildren. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, and, and I don't want a world war for me, but I think, I think that my, you know, in my life, I'm not as worried about it for me as I am for my children and my, and my, and my grandchildren, yeah. you know? And that so, scares like, me. Like all the profit aside, like, I mean, all, all the profit that they, that so many people are going to make from the inevitable world war three, putting that aside. Do you think there's a part of these people who want to like live uh, like they want to live their own version of World War II because like that's going to be like a, that's going to be some sort of like sick fulfillment uh, in their life like like they have, they have some sort of like heroic ego it's like I was, I was talking with Angela the morning uh, that, that Zelensky I uh, was going to be landing on the White House lawn 
Uh, and I said, Angela, we got to watch this because what's going to happen is people are going to compare Zelensky giving this speech to Churchill doing the, the exact same thing over 80 years and ago. And they did. Right? Yep. Well, they, like I said, that's, that's what's going to happen. I yep. said, Angela, watch. A couple of hours later, Hillary Clinton, of all people, just put out this long hyperbolic tweet. I think it had a picture of like Churchill addressing Congress next to Zelensky addressing Congress. And she used this adjective Churchillian over and over and over again to describe Zelensky, right? And then we see, of course, all the comparisons of Putin to Hitler, right? And we see Joe Biden constantly comparing himself to FDR. Oh, yeah. Like something is telling me like, like these people see they really do see World War II as a sort of like foundational myth, like for, for the modern American progressive warfare state, right? right? And they want to relive that myth. Like Joe Biden wants to be FDR. Uh, so many people want Zelensky to be Churchill and they want Putin to be Hitler, right? Uh, and may, maybe they want Xi Jinping to be Emperor Hirohito. Right. Who knows, right? But like they want to live that. So like, I think that there's something pathological, something something like psychotic in the, I really do like, I don't, I don't like, I don't do misuse you think, Do you think it's pathological and psychotic or do you think it's ritualistic? <laughs> well, I thought, okay, you could be taught, they're, okay, the English language has more adjectives than any other language on earth, okay? Right. We could spend all night, we could spend two more episodes hurling adjectives at what this is and we would be, most of them would be right, right. okay? But I think there's something ritualistic to it, like they see it as, you know, they're going to sacrifice, it's, like, it's like there's like a blood sacrifice involved with it maybe, Maybe there's that kind of element, if that's what you're alluding to with ritualistic. But I see something like psychotic. And of course, there's profit and there's money uh, involved in it. But I really do think that these people, they like most of them are, are boomers. They're warmongering boomers. Right. OK, when you look at the average like Warhawk congressman or congresswoman, like a Marsha Blackburn or a Mitch McConnell, something tells me like these people, they want to be every bit as great as the generation that was before them. Right. And they're willing to sacrifice as many millennials and as many Gen Xers and Gen Zers as they need to do it, right? Like, I don't know, that, 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 maybe I'm thinking of it too generationally. Maybe my bitterness towards the boomer generation is, is inaccurately reflecting itself and my thoughts on this, but I can't help but think of those terms sometimes. Right. No, I definitely get it. And I, and I agree. And, and it, the sad part is that these people know all they have to do uh to get millions of people around the world on board with this you know what i mean and that's you know i think that's, that's one of the downfalls of like like i think that it, i think that having a national identity is a good thing uh for a right. for a country i know that my libertarian um, compatriots would 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 uh disagree with me on that um but but because of that national identity and this uh sense of duty to nation I think that it's very easy to get people on board with with wars um, and with and right. to go head first into them without thinking about uh, the ramifications worldwide, without thinking about the people that are getting them into the war. Um, and then that's I think that's probably the most important facet, right? Is like is like the people who are getting us into these wars are fucking bad people, dude. Like they're yeah. really shitty, terrible, demonic you know, pot belly goblin vampires, dude. Okay. Like I fucking okay, hate, Alex Jones. Yeah, I hate them. They're terrible people, dude. And, and a lot of people, because of the, this, this sense of duty to na to nation, 
um, just think that these leaders are are good and virtuous, and it's just not the truth. And I think that you know, as a libertarian, that's one of my duties is to prove that these people are not virtuous and and good. Um, and and I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start the show and why I had such a a focus on on doing like a political show, even though I don't want to really only do a political show anymore. Um, but but I you know it's 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 such a it's such a terrible thing because these people are entrenched in a system that knows how to get. Right all of these people, uh, you know, hyped up for a war around the world. And it's just the ramifications of a world war are fucking terrible, like terrible, terrible, terrible. You really have to understand, like, I mean, we're talking about uh, huge depressions all over the world, uh, economic fallout, uh, you know, the, you know, for you lefties, you, you, you it's not going to help the environment. I promise you no, that. No, <laughs> no, Probably. no. You're, so did you see like what happened? Like a lot of what happened, like in, in the Taiwan Strait, um, and actually to the to the Taiwanese people, like right after Joe Biden signed the NDAA last week. No. So it was it was six days ago. Uh, actually, no, it was actually one week ago today. It was uh, last Friday night. Uh, Biden signed into law that the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act, right, the NDAA, as, as a lot of people have observed, it was like $858 billion that we know of that's going to go towards defense throughout the year 2023. Well, there are hundreds of millions of dollars set aside for Taiwan here. So there was some pretty bad stuff that happened in Taiwan. So um, because we signed basically a trillion dollar defense bill into law, the Thai, so the Chinese government started displaying like a bunch of shows of force, right, to, to intimidate the Taiwanese people. So they sent like 71 uh, planes and like a few ships into the Strait of Taiwan for like 24 hours. It was like last Sunday and last Monday they did this. Um, and like the spokesperson for the, you know, the People's Liberation Army, right, the, the Chinese military right. openly said this is in response to the United States, you know, escalating this conflict. So what did Taiwan do? Taiwan just extended mandatory military service uh, to, to, to fighting age males in Taiwan. So starting um, in what's now next year, 2024, starting in 2024, compulsory military service is going to be extended from four months to a year. For every able-bodied young Taiwanese male, so they're going to quadruple soldiers' pay, but they're also like they're, they're they're like they're redoing the training to be more physical, and they're doing a whole lot of like more like wartime enactment uh, sort of training regiments and stuff. So because we signed a one trillion dollar into bill, the Taiwanese people on the other side of the planet lost a little bit more of their liberties, like and it was immediate. It was like within three days. The Taiwanese government announced that they were extending mandatory conscription uh, for the Taiwanese people. So, um, I really do take you know what's what could be called the Dan McAdams approach to foreign policy um, as much as I can. Like we shouldn't be criticizing foreign governments for what they do because it's a pretext for war. But damn it, this was caused by the United States government and the Taiwanese people. They're every bit as as red blooded as I am, and I don't want to see them conscripted into fighting for a government against their will. Like, I don't want to see these people being sent to die by the hundreds of thousands or perhaps the millions eventually because of World War III, because of things that defense contractors in my country did. Like, do you know what I mean? Right. No, I, I, I get it 100 percent. And I think, you know, I think that the Dan McAdams view on on foreign policy is important, but also we need to think about things like that. Um, it, it, especially, you know, when we're talking about the, the implications of a world war, but also, you know, the Middle East, the regime change all right. over the uh, South America. I mean, we are directly responsible for so much of that shit around the world that you have to think about the fact that our government and our empire building 
has done this to a hundred countries. You know what well, I mean? Are you aware that it actually looks like there's a CIA backed coup happening in Peru right now? Would not at like all most, shock me. Dude, most libertarians are not even aware that this is going on. But so like a little bit of backstory here is that uh, back in uh, December of 2020, this was like as Trump was getting ready to leave office, um, he appointed a lady named Lisa Kenna, a former CIA agent, to be the U.S. ambassador to Peru, right? So on December 7th, fast forward to December 7th of this year, um, the, the, the sitting president, the democratically elected president of Peru, a guy named Pedro Castillo, um, he attempts to dissolve Congress. Backstory for that is because Peru has a really weird system in their country where all it takes is a simple majority of the legislature uh, to vote out the president. So you want to talk about a lot of power, a lot of the balance of power being towards the legislature. We think we have a bad in this country. Yeah, like Congress can can unilaterally get rid of a president with a simple majority vote. So wow. this this president, what he does is he moves to try to abolish the legislature completely because he doesn't want to be impeached, right? He's just like any other politician. He wants to hang on to his power. Of course, yeah. So what happens there is, actually, here's what's crazy. The day before the president of Peru moves to do this, Lisa Kenna, the CIA agent, turned uh, ambassador to Peru, meets with the defense minister of Peru. I forget his first name, but his last name is literally Bobbio. It's hilarious. <laughs> so Lisa Kenna meets with Bobbio. We don't know about what. That meeting happens on December 6th. The following day, the president of Peru tries to dissolve Congress. He gets immediately impeached for it. Then he gets imprisoned, and a military dictatorship takes over the government of Peru. Okay? The day after that, December the 8th, okay, the United States government on Twitter, I'm not joking, the U.S. government endorsed this new regime that had just taken control of Peru less than 24 hours prior, okay? Despite that, over a dozen Latin American governments have denounced the new military dictatorship of Peru, um, and this new you know, government is, is cracking down on protesters. I don't know if they've killed any protesters, but they're definitely like beating them up in the streets and stuff. And so we're seeing like classic mid 20th century, like black op style politics, you know, like regime change happening in Peru right here in the Western hemisphere right now. Yeah. And, and, and uh, we'll find out about it in 70 years when they declassify the documents and no one will give a shit. <laughs> maybe, maybe and no one yeah. will give a shit. You know, I, I talk about, I talk about this stuff on the show all the time. This is the first time this happened. It happened in Iran and in, in, in the fifties. Uh, it, 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 you know, we, we, we had operation paperclip operation Northwoods. I mean, all this shit has been declassified and, and, and open to the public and, no one gets a shit, dude. No one cares. We, we, we may have just found out that the CIA actually killed JFK and no one gives a shit. No one cares. Yeah. No one cares. We it, may have, or we did. I, I think that the, I think that the, you know, the jury is still out. I okay. have, I haven't read, right. I haven't read through all the documents. Um, but I, I do know that some people have come forward and, and, you know, on major media, including, uh, uh, Tucker and said that, you know, yeah, the CIA did kill JFK and well, they, RFK they, Jr. believes that the CIA killed JFK. Oh, of course JFK. he does. Well, and, 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 and their, yeah. their, uh, you know, their plausible deniability is that they used the mob, uh, to do it, which is what it sounds like. Um, but I don't know. I haven't gone through all the documents. There was a lot of fucking documents that they released and, it, and it's going to take some serious time for me to comb through them personally and come to an actual conclusion. But yes, people are saying that the CIA killed, uh, killed JFK and that that's been released now. Um, but they, they did still keep, uh, several of the documents, despite the fact that the law says they need, they have to be released. Um, and they still haven't been released. So, uh, people just don't give a shit, man. They don't care. 
It, it sucks, dude. I don't. That's my biggest. That's like my biggest war with myself. Is like, how do I get people to care about the shit that our own government has done? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, some you know, a lot of leaders in our movement love to point out consistently that we are hopelessly outnumbered. Now, there's a lot of truth to that. Like we are, like libertarians are ridiculously outnumbered. Like, like nobody, like the rest of the country, they they don't really understand what it is we stand for. Most of them can't pronounce the word libertarian. They think it's they think it's like librarian. You're a liberal. Right? Well, yeah, you're a liberal. Like, like so. Whenever I got involved with libertarianism, like one of my parents actually said, that, "I thought you were a liberal." I'm like, "God, no, I'm not a liberal." Jesus, no. So I've often thought, like, do we need like a new term to describe ourselves? But all of that aside, it's it's pretty accurate that we are insanely outnumbered. And it's just not realistic to see a libertarian, if there was a such thing, a libertarian utopia or a decentralized uh, existence in our lifetime, especially not on the North American continent. Yeah, but dude, it's hard a comparison that I often make is, like, imagine being an 11th century peasant, okay, in, in medieval Europe, and you say something to the effect of, you know, what if we, what if we didn't have the church and everything? Like, what if, what if tr membership in the church? was totally voluntary, right? Like you would hear a lot of the same objections from your fellow peasants if you weren't burned alive um, for, for saying something like that. A lot of the objections you would hear would be, well, without the church involved in so many things, civilization would, uh, would, would unravel, right? It, it would be, there'd be civil war everywhere. People's morals would go out the window. But we look a thousand years later to the 21st century, and now like the separation of church and state, it's a basic tenet. Of society like, like that that's one of the, the the most you know foundational cliches of living in the modern west is the basic idea that church and state should be separated and that more or less membership in the church should be voluntary right so i, I say that because i really do think that libertarianism is a philosophy that is perhaps a thousand years ahead of its time right. i actually think that you know we are we just we happen to believe in ideas that the world is not ready for yet, that the world has no conception of yet. Like I said, in the 11th century, there was no basic idea that the church shouldn't be involved in every aspect of people's lives. And like the moral zeitgeist had not gotten to that point. Sure. I think that that's kind of where we are with the state. People are not ready. Maybe they're getting there, but people by and large are not ready to, to imagine um, an existence without this institution, the state, dictating so many different aspects of their lives you know that they they really fear what what society could be like once the state is either gone or diminished to such a degree that it's virtually unrecognizable uh, to the modern eye so i think that's where we are and i think that with that said we shouldn't give up hope i think there is a lot of value in in podcasts in writing in books in learning about the ideas and in nurturing them and in protecting them in the meantime that maybe a part of the world out there somewhere is more ready for the ideas than they are today. Yep. I agree. I think, uh, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I, we're definitely, we're definitely ahead of our time. There's no doubt about it. It's, <laughs> it's a sad, it's sad realization because you want to be a part of the generation that changed things. You know what I mean? Um, but do you? Yes. No, but no, but, 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 okay. But like that, that's, that, that's a really bloody time. Like, that's a really bloody generation. Like people have to think like, like, well, okay. But what I've encountered is, there are a lot of libertarians who say, say stuff like that, and they're not really ready for the consequences. Right. Like they're not ready for the existence. And right? I, and and I agree with that. I do. I, I think you know. I one of the 
one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard given was Maj Ture at the, the, the Mises bash at the, um, at the national convention in May in Reno. Uh, Maj said yep. the same thing. You know, a lot of you guys are going to take the bag and run. You know what it's I mean? Like they're not ready for it. Yeah. You're not ready. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to do it. You're not going to change things. I am man. And and I've, I've, I've really dedicated a lot of my life to doing it at this point since at least 2007. Um, you know, we're talking uh, a lot of years. It's been a lot of fucking years now. Um, and I, and I am prepared for that. But the, the thing is, is I don't want my children to be that right. Right. I don't want my grandchildren to be that I'd rather have that, that, that blood and that pain and that hardship fall on my shoulders than fall on the, sh the shoulders of my children and my, and my grandchildren. Right. Um, and I'm saying that as somebody who has two grandchildren, you know what I mean? And so, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, yes, I would rather it be me than them. And, but that's and just like so, what Thomas Paine said. Like if there be trouble, if there has to be trouble, let it be in my time. Right. So that my children and grandchildren exactly. don't have to suffer. That's a paraphrasing yeah. Dave Benner. If he's still watching, oh, he knows it. I guarantee he can get the quote down and in, in that chat immediately. Yeah, He knows so it by heart. Just, yeah, I'm sure he does. But, but that's the same exact kind of sentiment. Like I would, I personally would like for I would rather it be in my time than than in, in the time of my children or grandchildren or so on and so forth. I'd much right? rather have my my values and morals and and education passed down to them so that they can have an easy time with the knowledge that I had from the hard time, right? Um yes. of course, you know, by by the generation after my grandkids, we could be right back into the same bullshit again and the empire may have fallen and you know what I mean? So uh, let's, let's get a quick word from our sponsors real quick. Uh, and, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, uh, go check out peace Hawk, peace Hawk coffee with this coffee. Uh, the small coffee roasting business peace Hawk will sell delicious micro batched roasted coffee online while donating at least $1 of every pound sold to worthy foreign aid organizations like Yemen relief and reconstruction foundation, who has expressed support for this project while their initial focus will be on Yemen, Ethiopian coffee. Uh, they'll also have some affordable central American varieties available too. However, peace Hawk will always donate at least $1 from every pound sold to worthy foreign or uh, foreign aid organizations. When you buy peace, hot coffee you're not only buying great coffee you have a chance to support the economies of countries struggling against the effects of war support stellar private aid foundations doing life-saving work abroad support stateside peace activists like myself everyone who's ever been on this show pretty much uh and my good friend will who started this great company uh the name peace hawk will be the counter to the war hawk who is aggressively pro-war this company will be aggressively pro-peace guys go sign up for the email list at peacehawk.coffee that's p-e-a-c-e-h-a-w-k.coffee uh and you will get all of the alerts for when this pro this program goes live uh, we have three or four bags now, and I can tell you that the uh, the Yemen and Ethiopian coffees are bomb, dude. They're, they're really, really, really good. Uh, we we grind them up and put them in our our. Uh, we have like a little mini K cup, reusable K cup, and it is really good coffee, man. Definitely worth it. Um, and so you guys should check it out because you can buy your coffee delivered to your door and support. Uh, you know. Uh, worn torn, worn torn uh, innocents around the world that that have had to deal with uh, you know the foreign policy of of America and and the empire. So, uh, Reed, man, thank you so much for coming on, dude. We're definitely we're definitely at the uh, the end of this bad boy. We are going to do a little short uh, members only stream for ten to fifteen minutes as soon as this is over. If you guys want to watch it, you can join the Patreon, subscribe star, or the YouTube channel and see it live. Uh, Reed, where can people find you, support you, listen to you, all that good stuff, man? Well, I don't have a podcast, but uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter uh, at Jay Reed Cooley. 
Nice, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. Truly, I appreciate you, dude. If you could just give me five seconds to close this thing out, we'll get the we'll get the members only started. Awesome. Thanks, brother. AJ Fisher, man. Thanks for the the four ninety nine super chat. That is my partner in crime for the show who could not make it tonight because he's sick. He said, "Build more ghost guns, stack ammo." I agree. I agree. I agree. He's a great dude. Uh, guys, I'm going to try and do a special New Year's Eve show for you tomorrow after my son's birthday party uh, and try to bring on uh, rotating guests uh, that I think you will enjoy. So definitely check us out. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please hit that subscribe and alert bell. It's really easy. That's free. That part's free. Uh, if you guys aren't subscribing to my YouTube so that I can grift that ad revenue to become a stay-at-home dad, you're doing me a disservice. And I don't appreciate it, but I still love you. Thank you for watching the show. Thank you for listening to me. If you're just listening to the audio, uh, I will see you guys tomorrow night uh, for a great show. And I'm sure Ryan and AJ will be back next week for some great shows as well. Uh, so yeah, happy new year. Merry Christmas. I'll see you tomorrow. Until then, don't forget to break the cycle. The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain A violent call to action in the person to frame But I just spent it in Minecraft The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do So when any violence you commit, I am not an excuse Because I just spent it in Minecraft But Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse in Minecraft